they buy companies where uncertainty is low. Mm, correct. So they get dividends out there. But what they don't realize is that by buying all these low uncertainty businesses, uh, your returns also become a lot lower. Yeah. And, and it's a good point that you brought up in dividends investing straight away because most dividend investors, what do they want? They want certainty in cash. Yes. Then let me ask you, why do you invest in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> and it was asked during a, you know, our viral private group Q&A, right? Yes. And I shared my thoughts about, guys, when you're investing, what are you doing? You're actually giving money to someone who technically can compound money better than you. Yes. But here you are as a dividend investor. What are you doing? You're giving money and you're getting money back. Yes. <laughs> 5%. So where is the uh, trust, the reason, the real reason why you invest? Because you're investing into businesses that technically should compound money better than what you're getting as a risk-free rate, what secure instruments are giving to you because you're already putting your money at risk. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six-Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www firl.co slash f-r-e-e or www.firl.co slash free Alright guys, uh, welcome back to the Fire Podcast. This is the first podcast that we are doing back in the uh, office or the studio uh, after like, don't know how many MCOs. MCO 3.0. If, 3. I, if, 0. I, if I got my numbers correctly. La. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not even sure whether the, the second one was a real MCO. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, but anyway, we're back and um, today we're going to talk about some of the fears that one might have in investing. One certainly fears that we've had in investing, mm -hmm. right, John? Yeah. And, you know, give our thoughts on how you can, you know, overcome them. And even in some cases, the some of these fears might be even good in the first place, right? Yeah. So I think the first fear that I think is very apparent, right, is the fear of not having enough. And this is more of a money question rather than investing one, but I think obviously investing is related to money. Yeah. So um, if you do not have enough, right? If you always fear of not having enough, why do you think that people have that fear and how do we overcome it? I think start with the premise of the normal life steps that anyone would take. Yeah. And in an Asian, predominantly very Asian culture, or even not even Asian culture, I see globally, uh, the industrialized age has forced a lot of people to take that normal path of yes. getting a secondary education, getting a tertiary education. And that system has you know worked well for the past, what, 100 years, mm -hmm. you see? And then they come to realization only when you spend so much time and effort to get yourself academically qualified and then you get paid in, in Malaysia, you know, I, I mean, I'm trained as an engineer. During my seniors time, that means you're talking about guys 20, 30 years, my senior, they get paid about what? 1,008. 1,003, 1,005, 1,008. 20 years later, <laughs> the same salary, MJ. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and inflation to the cost of education and then uh, you were told that this is the path and then suddenly reality hits you. How are you going to survive with, let's say, even if you're lucky, 2000. You know, we had this chat with Bradley, I think about two days ago and he said yeah. that uh, if you can get a, what, 2008 salary? Yeah, it? it's already above market rate. Right? Above market rate. So what is market rate? And, and, and why the fear of not having enough is actually a real fear because to most people, this was what their parents did and could live on. You work for a MNC like BAT or you know Royal Dutch Shell, you're set for life. In today's day and age, I hardly think that's so. Lah. And I think that's where a lot of young people are stuck today because they realize that if they continue on, let's say salary increment of 6% every year, by the time they get 
to their fifties or their sixties, they may not even be millionaires. Yeah, true. Yeah, what are your thoughts in a way? I think the this question is twofold, right? Because it's a fear of not having enough is two ends of the spectrum. One end is what you described, where people's basic needs or retirement needs are not even met. But I think the flip side is also true, where people already have a lot. Mm. And they still feel like it's not enough. Correct. That is perhaps uh, a rich, different kind. Rich man's problem. A, a, a rich man's <laughs> problem, but it's a real problem yeah. because uh, you know people get addicted to money and it's all just about making money and then they keep doing it at the expense of maybe other things in yes. their own life. Yes. But to the first end of that spectrum, which is not having enough, I think is to realize that every time that you invest yourself in something, whether it's an, a financial investment or a job or whatever, where your the more secure, or at least the more secure your perceived future is, actually mm-hmm. the less uh, likely you are to hit the targets that you want. Because mm. think about like, you are, secu- you are secure to get 2% from fixed deposits, mm. right? You're secure to get, five, six percent growth with properties, mm. right? And that's why people like it. But mm. if you think about it today, if everyone, the people who consistently put their money into FD or properties today, they're not going to get a good outcome with FDs. Mm. And although on paper, their wealth might grow on properties, right, it's going to be really uh, illiquid. And that's why a lot of people are struggling with properties today. And of course, people who put their money in FD are not growing it at the pace that they should be growing. Now, this doesn't mean that you should have no like cash savings or anything. It's just to know that whenever you invest in something that is very clear that there is no bad outcome, that also means that there's no great uh, outcome that's good. Yeah. Especially when there's a lot of things that are certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Certain yeah. meaning that it's sure to happen. Once it's sure to happen, then the returns will be low. Correct. Correct. Only when the uh the the general perception is that it's uncertain, mm. that's when the money is being made. And that that all has to do with really understanding risk very differently. And yeah. risk is not uncertainty. Risk to me is how much you lose when you are wrong yeah. and how much you make when you are right. So for example, right, you could buy a uh, like uh, like a stock, right, and there's a lot like if clear examples like Asia, right, mm-hmm. Asia when it was very low at fifty cents, 50, 60, sixty cents, right. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of fear around yeah. uh, Asia, right. Uh, in fact, some people still think it's really bad today. Mm. So, at that point of time, I remember we were releasing videos on quick dives and whatnot uh, in our main channel we about Asia. Of, uh uh, Asia paying us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People say Asia is paying us. We say that, look, there's a lot of uncertainty in Asia, right? Yeah. Back then, right? Honestly, our viewers and us have the same understanding of when the economy is going to open up, which yeah. is that we don't know. Yeah. But what we were saying is this, look, if Asia continues to be locked down, mm. then we, everyone knows what the results is going to be. Yeah. Right? Asia yes. is going to suffer. Yes. But if things open up suddenly, mm. you get corridors, you get special connections between countries and it opens up at 50, 60 cents, it was very, very it's cheap. A bargain. The amount you could have made, let's say you made, let's say it goes back to half of the IPO all-time price. high. No, the all-time the high, high of four was, something. Yeah, yeah. So you bought it at 50, you would have made a three X. Right, uh, fifty. Yeah, fifty four, to one fifty. About four uh, well, x, right? Four. Yeah. Let's say you go to two. Yeah. If, if you just it's two ringgit of which is half of the uh, the high uh, uh price. It's four x really. Yeah, the all time high, and that's great. But if you lose, what do you lose? You you lose everything, like, Or you you lose close. You go down to zero. Okay. But that's what I mean by proper risk assessment. The uncertainty is very high. Yeah, yes. But you, and you know, if you bought it at 60 cents today, the price is what, 120, 130 yeah. already? 1x already. Right, it's already, it's already doubled. So, yeah. but if you put it in FD, yeah. you're not even at, you're probably less than 1%. Yeah. Great that you 
pointed out this uh, vivid example. I think one more thing I wanted to add about fear of not having enough is that the moment they come to realization that there's investing and there's these other options, which we will talk about in the other fears, is that they get stuck on the let's get some wealth yeah. uh, bandwagon and they forget that uh, other things are less important. What I mean is that a lot of investors that we met, I mean, the privilege that uh, you and I have met is that most of the investors who are very, very successful, the, the amount of they have in the bank account is actually just a number. Yeah. <laughs> and the fear, the, the, the progressive state that they have overcome is after they have gotten past this fear of not having enough, is actually understanding of fear of not having enough time, which mm. is an, a very important currency that a lot of people figure. Why I say this is because it's related to most people path, they fear they're not having enough. What do they do? They start climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. They start spending more hours. Oh, because I spend 18 hours a day on my job, then my, my boss will appreciate me more. I'll get a pay raise. Then when I reach a salary, it's, it's, that's the common mindset. I reach a salary of like 20, 30,000. Ah, I'll have enough. Yeah. When I get to that salary of 30, 30, 40,000 K and it says, oh, I want to drive a nicer car. I want to live in a bigger place. What happens? Yep. Then they start pouring more time. Yeah, yeah. And then only then they re realize that, oh shit, my fear of not having enough now has turned into a, a, a beast on its own that I'm actually being eaten alive by not having enough time. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's one fear that, you know, I, I think I wanted to address first uh, because most people go through that that phase. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it is. Uh, that's why. But I, I also want to talk about the other side, which is uh, when you by most accounts already have enough, but mm. you can't, that you have to still keep- Oh yeah, still. Still, still keep wanting more. I think that's that's a important one because you don't really train for that when you're yes. accumulating capital, but then once you do reach there, then at some point you say, okay, yeah, I know if I do more, I'm gonna make more, but then I'm gonna do that at the neglect of perhaps a family, yeah, perhaps your mental health, perhaps your physical health, yes, and things like that, right? And so what do you think is a stopping point like for example i i was sharing with uh you know bradley our good friend um in a previous podcast that the first like hundred thousand you know it, it was a it was great right yeah, yeah. but then every additional hundred thousand becomes like meh uh, <laughs> i mean it's, it's great like yeah. it's it's obviously preferable yeah than losing a hundred thousand or making adding nothing yeah to your let's say yearly wealth right um but then we ha we have to find a stopping point otherwise we're forever in this cycle yeah and you know i was just telling bradley about a bible verse actually i read uh which was that the the guy the 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 fool who folds his arm is a lot smarter than the guy than the smart guy who toils every day mm, mm, it mm. doesn't mean that you know, you are a you. You should for your for your arms. That's not what I was trying to say. What yeah. I was trying to say is that that is a better outcome than the guy who already has millions and then he's still, and not, still going. He's at still it. not contended. Actually, um, what was this guy's name? I'm trying to remember. Ah, Morgan Housel. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote an excellent book about the psychology of money. Mm. I uh, if you if you guys haven't read it, please please, I highly recommend you guys to read Psychology of Money, Morgan Housel. He gave an example of the partner at McKinsey. I can't remember. It was, I remember it was an Indian dude. And what happened was uh, this guy swindled off, did insider trading for up to 100 million or something. Okay. So was he wealthy? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he wealthy? I mean, if you if you hit 50 million, 60 million US, I think you can afford quite a luxurious life. Really. Yeah, yeah. But obviously that wasn't enough for him. And the reason why Morgan Housel actually brought it up was because to each and everybody, enough means very different. And I think it's something that no matter what uh, anybody, even MJ and I, when we discuss this, you have to feel comfortable with your own number. A yeah. lot of people don't spend time to sit down and think about it because uh, it's either they're never contented, that means once they want, they want more, or some guys who like, like, like for me, a simple potato, I told myself, you know, MJ, I said, once I hit 10K income, I'll be, I'll, I'll be set for life. That was when I was a teenager. Yeah. 
Then you realize 10K with inflation is nothing. <laughs> and, and a family, of course. And a family and all that. Yeah, so I think it's it's a question that most people don't reflect hard upon. And it actually ties in with a lot of non-quantifiable things like how much time you spend with the family, how much stress, less stress that you take on, how much, uh, you know, um, how much fending off that you need to do if you have long lost cousins that suddenly want to discover you because yeah, you're yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Right. yeah it's, it's all this stress. I mean, like, even some of our friends and family who are quite well to do, I'm pretty sure there are some stories if they're close enough to you guys, uh, to you, they will tell you, oh, I have this cousin that's leaving off hands out for my for my parents or, you know, um, you know, things like this. Huh? Yeah. I, you know, I did ask uh, also in the previous podcast, Bradley, because it was, uh, you, you left uh, halfway and uh, yeah. and we, we had some interesting questions that I would have asked you as well, yeah. which is the, the enough number, right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, I gave... Uh, I gave, uh, you know, I asked Bradley, he, he didn't have an answer. Okay. So he, he, he Tai Chi the question back to me. <laughs> so uh, he asked me, what is my number? And I gave a number of about uh, 5,000 ringgit a month. Basically, mm-hmm. I don't have to work and that, yeah. that keeps coming as a single person, right? Yeah, to be yeah. fair, in my current circumstance. Yeah. And that will amount to, then I'll just take that amount, uh, take then the yearly amount, 60,000, and mm-hmm. then I multiply like, by like 30, right? So mm-hmm. you'll come to about 1.8, let's call it 2 million. Mm-hmm. So that's my number inflation adjusted, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a similar, uh, do, or rather, what is your number? And also how do you arrive at that number? Ah, okay. So mine was pretty clear since about five years ago. Uh, it's actually 30,000 income, uh, 30,000 right. cash flow a month uh, with uh, the, so the, the context is that I'm a single breadwinner, yep. right? Uh, the whole the whole income of the family relies on me. So I know my expenses uh, and at 30,000 a month multiplied by five years and I'm going to compound money at about 15% uh, based on the skills I have, uh, it should come up to actually about 5 million. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're not going to describe the math. It's a little yep. bit, yeah, but it's it's there. La. And it's, it's a good question. And I'm pretty sure Bradley was stumped when you asked him this question, right? He never. Yeah, because because you see, we 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 know to your point about fear of uh, not having enough, right? We know the spectrum of having no money. Yeah, and then the other side of when do you stop? Yeah, because you have to stop at some point, right? Like you, you, you keep accumulating, accumulating, and then and then what, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was one criticism that people had with uh, like like Warren Buffett, for example, right? Mm-hmm. You would accumulate, 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 and then you like wait until you die only. Yeah. You. So you need a number. Yeah. Otherwise, you will never be able to say enough. Yeah. Right? Precisely. Your net worth will never be enough. Yes. It doesn't matter how many zeros, it doesn't matter whether you become a trillionaire even, right? Yes. So, yeah, that is uh, that is why I think getting a number is important. Of course, it's not like, oh, you reach it's, it's not, it's not the no, end, no. you know. That it's getting, not the end. I think, I think a lot of people think that when we put out numbers, that's the end, that's the no, ultimate no, no. goal. Actually, it's not. It's the number for your sub-existence with comfort at your current. That, that's how I put it. Yes. A number for your existence with a little bit of comfort. Anything above is considered a bonus. You want more than you work for it. Lah. But then that is a point where you say, okay, Guys, this is the the minimum I need to kind of like survive yeah. and yeah. And that's when you can say, okay, now I can go and want to do something else. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, take your foot off the pedal in this department. Yeah. And then go pursue something maybe Correct. more artistic, maybe mountaineering, poetry, whatever lah, whatever. Yeah, you enjoy. exactly. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing, especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses slash SIB. 
Yeah. All right. The next uh, fear will be uh, the unknown, right? So it's quite linked. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier on that uh, uncertainty is not risk, right? Yeah. Now, of course, some of you all might hear it and think that, yeah, it makes sense. Some of you all listening may, may not think that way, right? Yeah. Um, I think this is also a problem with a lot of like dividend investors where mm. they buy companies where uncertainty is low. Mm. Correct. So they get dividends out there. But what they don't realize is that by buying all these low uncertainty businesses, uh, your returns also become a lot lower. Yeah. And and it's a good point that you brought up in dividends investing straight away because most of the dividend investors, what do they want? They want certainty in cash. Yes. Then let me ask you, why do you invest in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> and it was asked during a, you know, our viral private group Q&A, right? Yes. And I shared my thoughts about, guys, when you're investing, what are you doing? You're actually giving money to someone who technically can compound money better than you. Yes. But here you are as a dividend investor. What are you doing? You're giving money and you're getting money back. Yes. <laughs> 5%. So where is the uh, trust, the reason, the real reason why you invest? Because you're investing into businesses that technically should compound money better than what you're getting as a risk-free rate, what secure instruments are giving to you because you're already putting your money at risk. But then here you are, you're demanding it back in dividends and that's the security. So... Okay, just simple math. Uh. If a company that you invested in can return money to you or compound money for you at 15%, but paying you a dividend yield of 1%, guys, I would I, I would tell the management of this company, never pay me dividends. Yeah. If these guys are trustworthy uh, with uh, 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 um, value sets of integrity and all that, just keep my money and compound. Whatever you need, just reinvest, retain earnings pull it fully into return earnings, blow up your cash flow and just, just go capex all the way. Lah. Yeah. I think the reason why a lot of people fear about this unknown thing is that they don't spend the time to want to understand the unknown. Actually, that's the reason why I put this in. Yeah. Like for example, we are dabbling into crypto now. There's two options. Oh, I hear, I read, it's a scam. <laughs> right? Yes. I just blind, you know, just shut off my mind, right? Or I can say, okay, what if I start with 100 ringgit? 100 ringgit is a meal. I can lose it. But I spend time reading about it, understanding what are the risks involved? What is it about? Or if you even don't, don't want to invest, spend 100 ringgit buying books to understand it or spending time to do it. But the fear not known is like, oh, I hear these people. And I, 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 feel, I, I feel especially people who are slightly older in age, uh, you know, even including my parents, what they get from other people, oh, you know, your your neighbor last time, uh, they were into stocks and you know that. But when you dig deeper, you have to find out they went on margin, they didn't buy, they bought speculative stocks and all that. It's always the second, third level that many people never unpeel. And because of that, it's unknown, unknown, unknown. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> I, uh, you have fear of the unknown. Well, then make things known as much as yeah. you can, right? Yes. So actually learn how to invest. Yeah. Actually, uh, I think even before learning, you should, uh, my, uh, some people might disagree, but I actually think that even before learning, you should really put some money to yeah. work, right? Yes, yes. So the fear of unknown has to do with lack of experience, lack of knowledge, right? And once you do that, then things will be less uh, unknown. And then once you, and but do you see, in the market, not everyone knows the same thing, right? Yeah. So I can look at something and say that it's uncertain. And you can look at something and say, no, it's not yes. certain. Right? But what's the difference? The yes. difference is that you know more. Yes. So it's really uh, it's really uh, simple. But I think there's a, a deeper problem for some people when it comes to unknown, which is that it's almost like a psychological thing where they, how do I put it? They don't have... A, they want things to be absolutely sure. Oh. Right, they don't like bad outcomes. And I think that's worth discussing because why would someone want to have no bad outcomes yeah. at all? Yeah. yeah. Right, we know, for example, that bad outcomes, or at least what seems like bad outcomes, uh, might actually become good in the long run. For example, right, if you fall and then you, you your, your knees get uh, bruised. bruised or whatever and you know your skin peel off it starts to bleed, bleed and things like that 
at that point in time, obviously it's a bad thing, right? You're feeling pain and then there's blood flowing and all that. But as time passes, as you heal, the skin that replaces that area becomes stronger. Correct. Right, okay, maybe it's not as good looking anymore, yeah. but it becomes stronger, right? Correct. It protects you. Yeah. And it's that that's just a physical example. There are other examples of uh, like failures, right? And other examples of whether it's failed businesses or failed uh, partnerships or you fail an exam. Or even relationships. Relationships, right, where actually the failure acts like your skin where if you allow it to, it becomes a strengthening mechanism. Well said. And I think that is the whole issue because when people, what people fear about uncertainty is not the uncertainty, it's actually the potential for bad outcomes. Yeah, that's right. But you know that without bad outcomes, without the possibility of bad outcomes, you cannot make life-changing or seriously good investments. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. So your the mere act of not wanting any bad outcome equals you will never make a lot of money. And therefore the question is, why or how can you experience bad outcomes? How can you handle bad outcomes? Because you know, if you enter into an uncertain territory, you 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 are exposing yourself to that. Mm. You're exposing yourself to buying a stock or any crypto or anything that goes to zero. Yeah. How do you prepare to withstand and tron- take that f- so-called failure and make it something to you to 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 benefit you in the future. Yeah. And without the failure, I think you have to think this way, right? That the failure produces the success. Then you will see uncertainty different. Then you're like, if I succeed, great. Yeah. If I okay, if I buy a stock, it goes up 10 times, it's great. Yeah. But if it goes down to zero, I will be able to take the experience and prevent the next zero that I can see. Actually, what but if you don't take the action, you will never experience that. Yeah. Actually, what you just said is already related to the one or the other fears, which is actually fear of being wrong. I think yes. a lot of, regardless of whether it's an investing field, That's right. career, relationship, everything, I think the fear of failure or fear of being wrong is so thrown upon. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it prevents other people from, I must be on the path of righteousness and, and do good and, and make, make no mistake. Guys, I've not known a successful entrepreneur, investor, or anyone who has never failed or yeah big the, failures even yeah. yeah the harder they fall the more successful they they, yeah. they, they they and the the problem for the lack of a better word the problem is that the financial services industry kind of like self perpetuates this fear what i mean by that because they are fearing or let's just say you have a friend or family member that fears of making mistake right mj what do they do they abscond from that responsibility yeah they abdicate their because f- here's the thing, right? Yeah. Sorry to yeah. Because all these people who don't want bad outcomes as well. I realize secretly they still want the high returns. Yes, exactly. They just don't want the bad potential outcomes. They That's don't it. want to be is is and I pity the fund managers because they're the yeah. punching bags. Correct. So what they do is here they are, this is what they want, right? Not what they need. So they said, I want that result but I don't want to be the fall guy if something happens. So what they do? They abscond, they abdicate, and then they give it to a fund manager. You say, you professional, ah? uh, you manage for me. Ah? <laughs> and then the result come out. Hey, why ah, you shouldn't have done this? Ah? Hey, why come I return so bad? Ah? Whatever, right? But in the end, it's actually a reflection of their own, uh, uh, I would say lack of responsibility or taking charge of their own money. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, and I, I find it quite sad because they said they want that outcome, but yet not taking ownership or taking responsibility. But it's it's very natural because uh, like man, making money is one thing, yeah. right? I bought uh, managing it is another. Yeah, two different skill sets. I feel correct because if imagine like it's so difficult to make money already. Yeah. So imagine once you've made the money, you kind of want to just rest and say, hey, you know, I'll just uh, let someone else do it for yeah. me, and yes. of course that becomes a, a bit of a problem. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think in conclusion for this fear, right? Like we, we have to change our mind. And you know, another thing about fear of getting wrong is I realized this. Actually, I don't think losing the money hurts as much. Mm. Actually, it's just being wrong. The pride, the pride, the yeah. pride of being, yeah, the pride I, taking, be, taking yeah, a bad beating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that 
can be equal if not bigger sometimes. Oh yes, yes, and it's right. Ironically, it's in the head. Yeah, <laughs> it's, in the, it's, in, it's in the head because yeah. the the same attitudes can be exhibited when someone loses ten thousand ringgit versus one million. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Right. In theory, if you lose ten thousand ringgit versus one million, the ten thousand ringgit should feel like hey. It's fine. It's just uh, you know I can just do it again and yeah. and all that. Yeah. Versus the one million, but you see very often people losing ten thousand ringgit, and it's 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 their decision to invest or is their decision to trust someone to invest for them, yeah. and uh, they start you know like saying giving excuses, blaming external factors. The market was bad. Donald Trump. Yeah. My fund manager is crap and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So. I think some responsibility needs to be taken that a mistake is a mistake. Yes. Recognize that it's part of the game yeah. and then take that mistake and say, okay, I'm not going to do it again and learn properly from your mistakes be as specific uh, as possible. And then after that, it should improve you over time. Yeah. Just the last point, I just, just triggered. Losing money, making mistake is the price you have to pay to stay invested. Put it this way. It's, yeah, it's the fee. La. It's the fee. La. A lot of people forget that. Yeah. People think it's a penalty, but it's actually a fee. Yeah, it's a fee. Right. Okay, the next. Um, fear of missing out or fear of losing money? Either one. Yeah, fear of missing out is a big one, right? Fear of missing out uh, is uh, more to do with greed and mm. wanting to jump in. Yeah. And uh, this one, it's something we all experience every day, and uh, not just in terms of money, right? The newest, uh, newest car, the newest trend, the newest meme coin, yeah, or whatever, <laughs> right? And uh, it, it succumbs to all this. So, how to combat? And why? First of all, why do we need to combat FOMO or mm. fear of missing out? Is because you might be getting into an investment, let's say, at the tail end of yeah. uh, you know, of it being a good investment. So you're likely to lose money in that sense. And it's very non-rational. It's like, you know, when we're all kid, right? If that kid has a sweet, I so want the sweet, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, that's it's why we have It's a very primal. It. Yeah, and I don't think, yeah. I actually think that it does not change as we grow older. The yeah. object of desire changes, but not like, correct. you know, for example, uh, like getting married, right? Literally, I have a couple of friends that I go out with quite often. Uh, they're listening to this too bad. I'm going to use the example. Right? <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, they are polar opposites, right? Mm. So like I'll ask one friend and then, uh, he, uh, you know, he's getting married, right? Mm. And then I say, why are you going to get married? Oh, because so-and-so, another person in the friend group is getting married, mm. right? So I think this is the time. Right, I don't mean. Then they'll say things like, oh, when I go to Chinese New Year, I don't want to explain to people like, <laughs> oh, why am I not married or that. Yeah, but but you be laugh and from the outside we look at that. But honestly, it's it's, it's very real, right? It's very, it's very real, very real, and uh, we may fall into the same trap. The also. peer pressure is very so, real, man. You know? Yeah. Then on the other side, my other friend was like, uh, you know, all, all all her friends are not married, so she's so so she has no desire to be married. But mm. then I asked her this question: so if one of them gets married, then things will change. They said, yeah, absolutely. All oh. it takes is one mm. to start, and then there'll be a chain where can everybody wants. Children, everyone wants a boy, everyone wants same thing. You know, it really affects you. Yeah, you know, MJ, there's an experiment done uh, about this, yeah. about blending in. Uh, they actually had uh, people seated in a clinic and they had, let's say, I think eight people seated at the waiting area in the sofa. And then the moment a sound happens, every person except the guy who is being experimented upon, everyone stood up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they never understood why they stood up. So obviously the first the 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 first part of the video was a lady or right? suddenly a sound and then everyone stood up, and then after that, after the third round, the lady felt compelled. I mean, just to echo your point, uh, the lady felt compelled to want to stand up, and then after that, right, she didn't dare. She only after the fifth sound, right, she said, "Why are we standing up?" And then the guy just said, "No, we were just told to stand up." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. To your point about yeah, yeah, that's fear really, of missing out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah fear that, of that's fear out. of missing out. Yeah, that's fear of it's missing really out. It's really true, right? Then yeah, same yeah. with the stock. Oh, everybody's getting into this stock. I, then I should get into it. So I don't want to miss the party and things like that. Yeah, and yeah, it, it really, it really does not get any better. I think as you grow older, and the, I guess the question now is how do you combat it, right? So specifically to the stock market, I think the best way to combat it is to recognize that you have it so don't pretend you don't yep and if you have to do it don't put everything right just 
this sometimes it actually ironically because we're all human beings sometimes it actually makes sense for you to go into FOMO stocks yeah. let's say yes but only to dip your head inside so that let's say if it does go upright yeah. at least you can feel a little bit better like oh, okay yeah. at least at least I was part of the party yeah. but if let's say the FOMO turns out to be a failure and it crashes right then you're like oh, at least I only put a bit in it. it's okay no problem no yeah. problem okay. but that that would be my practical advice right so it's I think some people are a bit purist about this. Say no, avoid all FOMO and all that. It's honestly it's, much easier said than done. Yeah. And so the question is, what actions can you take to be, you know? Actually, Daniel Carmen said system one and system two, man. Yeah. So in a way, what you can do is what you just mentioned is kind of like a systems two kind of thinking. So yeah. set a rule for yourself. You hear some meme coin or some interesting That's right. investment, right? Just said, okay, cap at 10,000, for example. I mean, I'm giving context that maybe this guy is worth 100,000, 200,000, right? He said, you cap, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Tell yourself a rule. It's like, you want to, some people, they just love going to buy 4D. Not because they hope, there's this, uh, there were a few, you know, uh, very senior management guys that I know in when I was in Shell. This guy's paid probably about 100,000 a month. Right. And when he retired, probably a few million in, you know, retirements and in EPF and all that. But he still goes to 40 every week. Just mm. for the fun. But what yeah. he does? Ten bucks. Huh? Yeah. Ten bucks. Huh? So yeah. you don't go like hundred thousand bad, two hundred thousand bad. You set a systems tool rule. <laughs> Just maximum anything you've not done, any due diligence, no confidence yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. 2%, 5%, you know, something like that. Yeah. It works. It's it very works. simple. So yeah. that is a very short one because yeah. I think it's a very simple one to solve. Not yeah. easy, but simple. Yeah. Um, Losing now, money, I think the same. I, I think there's one that's not mentioned is fear of starting. Oh, I think yeah. It's important. So it's linked to like losing money. Mm. Uh, it's linked to not wanting to be wrong, linked to wanting to have a, 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 a good start. Mm. And... It's also, I think a lot of it is just giving excuses. Like some people, either they don't have enough, they'll say it's either not enough knowledge or not enough money. Mm. So I think we start with the not enough knowledge one, right? So how you, let's say you see someone and he say that he wants to get investing, but not yet because mm. he feel like there's not enough knowledge. What do you say to that person? Actually, there's so many angles, uh, but the simplest angle I would say is Actually, I love to quote my my friend Sam Kui. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he actually gave this analogy about the driver's license. He said, "If you want to invest, what do you what do you uh, if you want to start driving, what do you need to do? There's a mandatory requirement that you take a license, an exam, or what's that's right, that's right? Right. Obviously, investing there's no such requirement, lah. But then." If they keep on saying that, oh, I don't have enough knowledge, whatever, then let me ask them, do you learn how to hold a, fork, a spoon or a fork? Did you learn how to write, read, comprehension? If they said yes to all this, they said, okay, how much you spend on your degree? They said yeah. probably 100,000, 200,000. Then what's the price you would spend on managing your own money? I'm pretty sure a lot of people haven't thought of that, you know? Yeah. And a lot of people think that. Oh, uh, this should be Googleable. This should be yes, but have you started? Have you spent the time to actually accumulate all this? Uh, not having someone to guide you, whatever. I think that's how I would answer them. I mean, like, if you don't have the knowledge, then how do you start? How do you help yourself get across that? You know, I mean, literally, I have so many conversations with you, MJ, about you know, people in the capital markets helping companies list and yet they themselves with first-hand information how corporate structure capital being raised and all that and they go and buy speculative stocks they don't want to spend time to educate themselves to yeah right and, and here are so many examples there was even this uh this funny one uh this guy was doing patents for companies like vitrox penta right 100x huh <laughs> yeah and you know we had a we have a common friend who is now in Singapore, and uh, you know uh, his parents, his his dad was actually involved in a uh, evaluating a public listed company that almost had a monopoly, mm -hmm. and he also didn't invest. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, I guess to anyone who says that I 
wait first. I wait till I have enough money. Or they, they use this interchangeable. I do not have enough knowledge or I do not have enough money. For me, it's just excuses. If yeah. you want to, you want to make that 10x, 20x your net worth, right? You have to take ownership and responsibility about it. If you're not starting to start reading, start watching videos, or even it says, now you know enough of somewhat the landscape and I want to go deeper or what asset class I want. I was, I was a sucker for courses. Uh. Anytime I had f- uh, extra money, whatever, I love my toys, toys, uh, electronic gadgets, whatever. But I realized that I need to make and compound my money yep. so that I can afford bigger toys. Yes. And I think that would be a reason why I would like, actually one of our coaching clients, I, I, I haven't told you about this. She said she wanted to start coaching as a Christmas gift. Wow. <laughs> so here you go. Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. Right? Yeah, and then the other one was, uh, remember one of our coaching clients that I told you that he couldn't get an internet connection from his school. He had to drive an hour and a half to the nearest town to get. I I actually want to tell the story. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we can't we can't share the details and all yeah. that because confidentiality. But when you look at these people and that kind of uh, enthusiasm, the kind of dedication, right? It, it it compels us to even want to share more and to guide them more. You know. Yeah. So I mean, to your question about what would I say? Yeah, so many. I I mean like. When there's a will, there's a way. Don't give yourself excuses or procrastinate. And I, you know, I think when it comes to making investments, you have to recognize that you need to make a decision with incomplete information. Correct. That is a is is a fact, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, so many things we do, you don't realize, right? But so many things we do, it's I actually make right. You married your wife, incomplete, right? You, yeah. How do you know she won't cheat on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But you have done enough. You have known and learned enough that on chances she's not going to do it correct right and you oh yeah and 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 so that's the knowledge question so now let's talk about the money one right people will say that they don't have enough money yeah what do you what do you say to that because some people say like maybe they, i only have like two thousand or five thousand ringgit i can't even start yeah so so maybe it's a more specific question now so yeah. let's say i only have five thousand ringgit right like yeah. i don't have enough money to start i will and i will invest once i have the money what what's your response oh my response has always been the compounding table i usually just bring out the compounding table so yeah. you know this exercise that we used to do and i'm going to repeat it here um between two people and i've tried this even on on our, on our friend here jonathan <laughs> yeah yeah you have two pots one pot 10 cents a day but doubling every day for 30 days the other pot is a hundred thousand secure, guarantee you get it a hundred thousand a day for thirty days. So between the first pot of ten cents a day, but doubling every day, or the hundred thousand, uh, guaranteed to you every day for thirty days. Now a lot of people, they would quickly do the math: hundred thousand thirty days is three minutes guaranteed, you know. But ten cents, you know, ten cents is like, it's so ins- insignificant. But in the end, obviously this is a pre-recorded podcast and you guys can, you know, go and calculate, you know. I usually try to tell people, ask people on the spot, they'll they get stumped. The, the first spot, the 10 cents, is actually 107 million. So the beauty about investing is actually it works based on compounding. And compounding is actually, it can be your friend or your foe. Yeah. For people who say that, uh, I only have 2,000, I wait, Till I have money before I invest, it's really like, uh, you know, I'll go to the gym when I'm when I'm fit lah. Yeah. I'll 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 start eating healthily when I'm sick lah. You know that kind of. You know what? You know what we should do? Yeah. We should take the option B day one, uh-huh. get a hundred thousand, then put it all into option A. So we start at hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. and then double twenty nine times. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Shit. Yeah, There's gonna be trillion. Yeah. There'll be a lot trillion. But it's it's. I think the key message is. Make time your friend rather yeah. than, yeah. It, it doesn't matter about your amount. La. The, the only thing I would say about not having to start is that very simple. In fact, the fact that you have so little money means you are perfect to start because yeah. when you only, so what actually ends up happening, so okay, let, let's paint a more realistic, a specific picture, right? Mm. You're in your 20s and you say this, mm. right? And maybe you have 5,000 ringgit to your name. Yeah. Okay. So you say, I only start once I have money. Mm. When is that? Let's say it's 30, right? Mm. So after seven years of working, perhaps now you have 100,000 to invest. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, a decent number. That's a decent number. It, it, for me, it's a great success, especially if you come from nothing. Yeah. By age 30, you have 100,000. That's great. 
Um, now you're hundred thousand. Then suddenly you know you get excited, right? Because okay, now you finally got the number and you like you can chill a bit because you already have, not uh, you know what. Mr. Stingy, right? If you yeah. read his blog, he called this a level level three wealth, where okay. basically bills are not a problem anymore. Uh, you can even plan on going to holidays with your family. You can build a family and things like that. So you reach that level three and then you get 100,000. Then you invest in whatever, let's say stocks, right? Guess what? You have not developed any experience or knowledge to oh invest. Yeah, yeah. Now instead, you have only 5,000 to get, let's say 22 or 23. And you start the inter market and then maybe you just buy one you you ignore all the traditional finance rules of diversification yeah. split over Focus. 50 stocks whatever let's say let's say you just bought in one and let's say it goes to zero yeah so what you've got a lesson yeah go save the next five thousand, and then very likely you invest in something that will not go to zero and you keep learning and learning and learning by the time you're 30 you probably have way more than hundred thousand because you started earlier yeah and you started learning earlier which yeah. means that when you are 30 and when you have that 100,000, 200, 300,000 ringgit portfolio, mm. you're likely to bring it to a million or 5 million or 10 million yeah. because now you've already got all your information and knowledge and experience accumulated when you're young. And why that's really important is because of this. We all know that the human brain has this thing called neuroplasticity, mm. meaning to say, right, the younger a person, the higher the neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity means the ability for the mind to change and to learn and accept new Adapt. information and new things. Why, why do we say that most old people don't want to change their mind? Is And you know, we like to say, oh, it's just old. Yes, it's true, but that's also because his mind biologically is not giving him the it's, reason. It's not geared already. Yeah, to... and here's the thing. By the time you're 25, your neuroplasticity starts to drop very drastically. Yes. In other words, right, if you don't start as early as possible, your learning curve is going to get even bigger and bigger on the same material. Yes. And that's why so many people, even at 50, even though if you invest in the stock market in decent stocks over the past 10 years, we have done extremely well. People still don't want to do it. Even though the evidence is there, it's precisely because of this. It's very hard for them to change their mind. And that's exactly why, even if you have 5,000 ringgit, you should start immediately. But that doesn't mean that you, you just go, go, in, go in blindly. blindly. No, no. no, you learn and you put in money at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one analogy I would encompass what you just said, right? Is the guy, right? At 5,000, uh, let's say two two guys starting at one, 5,000. One guy just didn't invest. He just wait till 100,000, whatever. And then the other guy start 5,000. He may lose it. He may whatever, right? This guy who started is already sharpening his saw. Yeah, exactly. He's sharpening his saw. By the time both of them come to that same path, uh, there's a tree. There's an opportunity. Uh, let's say a 10 million tree, right? The guy who with the 100,000, he actually has a blunt saw, you know? Yeah, exactly. The guy with the 5,000, even though he lost it, he has a very sharp saw. Pop one shot. That's it. One yeah. million will fall already, right? And he's going to get that one million tree. But the guy who's like, oh, then he'll be start chopping. Chop, 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 chop. chop. Yeah, one, <laughs> one, one, one has axe, one has a chainsaw. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly, exactly. So don't forget to sharpen your saw. The saw, the saw gets sharper and sharper the more yeah. you sharpen it. So the last fear yeah. that I have see, is... Uh, yeah wrong or I think they're all very similar. Yeah. I just have one here which has to do with qualifications. This oh, is yeah. short. I think many people think that you need to somehow be like very but smart or you need like some sort of degree to become a good investor. Mm. So what are your thoughts about that? I just look at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just make but, reference to you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I find that having a finance degree or accounting degree give you a false sense of confidence, right? Because yeah. you have to remember, right, when you key in your trades in Kananga or interactive brokers or whatever. It doesn't have the, a it BS, doesn't know one. B, yeah. uh, BSC or yeah. BANG or ACCA. It, yeah. it doesn't, it, the keyboard doesn't yeah. make a distinction. Just because uh, you, 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 you are very smart, you know finance, you buy top glove, right? Doesn't yeah. mean top glove, oh, you know what? Time to go up because this smart guy bought me. So time to go up, you know. <laughs> it's going to go down, it's going to go sideways or it's going to go up and it doesn't care about you. And yeah. that, I think that's one of the beauty of the stock market is that if you're good, yeah, the, whatever you see in the bank account, that is your certificate, right? Yeah. And you know, yeah. we we watched this uh, video a while back uh, uh, by, by, by Anton Krill, right? He's, oh. a, he's a trader. He said yeah. that people have all these 
fancy Fan- name cards. Or <laughs> actually, the most important card is the ATM card. Yeah. And then when you put in the ATM card, what's the number staring back at you? Yeah. That's when you know whether you're qualified. Yeah. So yeah. if the number staring back at you, right, is uh, is is closer to zero than a phone number, right? Yeah. Then you know the 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 whether you're right or wrong. Correct. Spot on. And you know, I mean, I don't know about you in school, but during my time in school, I'm pretty sure it's the same. Smart students go to science stream. Not it's so still true today, yeah. <laughs> Not so smart student go to to art stream. Obviously, that's a very niche comparison, but. As I said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, uh, the, the academic system or the belief system, the common truths that we are told today, right? Somehow is created by man and to suit the average. That means uh, this is uh, this is how the, the way that the world should function, structure, and corporate titles. We have a joke, we have a running joke in Shell, you know. If you want titles, don't come to Shell. You want titles, you go to like places like Exxon or whatever. Because we we, ha- we were so funny that let's just say the asset manager for the whole of Sarawak, which is equivalent to like a senior GM in Petronas, right? They just call him a team leader or asset manager in, in Shell. And Petronas, I don't know whether it's true, but this is a rumor I heard. Petronas even said, hey guys, can you please change your title? Because it's like every time they have the meeting, right? So you have got a senior vice president from Petronas and here you got manager as asset manager you know so, but the rank is actually the same so why i'm bringing up this story is that all these titles these fancy names or whatever right it's actually a system designed by some hr people to make you feel good or whatever but doesn't necessarily carry success or that one yeah and it doesn't necessarily mean because success to every individual person is very different i know we're, we're talking a little bit out of the out, out of sync about finance but i i guarantee you it's very related because if you look at how you would feel successful today, are you going to be successful because you were GM for a particular no. company? Really? <laughs> if, if that is what life dictates, uh, you think that that is actually success to you? I just wish you good luck. La. <laughs> Seriously, just wish you good luck. La. And I think that's a great uh, end to yeah. our uh, today's podcast on fear. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we missed out a few. Yeah. Right. And guys, if you feel like there's other fears that we missed out or that you think we should have mentioned, just mention it in the comments. Um, or if you disagree with our points about fear, just let us know. Or if you are, if you felt that we could have said more on certain yeah. things. Certain things you want to cover more. Yeah. Just let us know. And uh, of course, guys, we have a main channel. Go check it out. We have, you know, Telegram, Facebook, Instagram, go follow us. And see you in the next podcast. Yeah.